It's great to be with you today. We're going to jump right into the message. We're on this series called, Who Am I and Why Am I Here? Who am I? Why am I here? So get your sermon notes out. Also, on you, if you got the U, U version Bible, you can get sermon notes on there. Go to events and uh, go down there, and you'll see that Crossroads Bible Church is live and ready. We're just working towards this, continuing to develop a technology, and so you can check those out, or you can get the paper ones out and follow those along as well, because we believe note takers are world changers. So it's not something you want to have in just a moment. Tell me the events is on there. Sermon notes there? Okay, just checking, making sure. All right, got me a little question there. And uh, get your Bibles out, your whatever you use to open up the Bible, and let's open up to Acts chapter 19. Acts 19. Yeah, wasn't our best effort, but, you know, we did change things up a little bit. Acts chapter 19. Are you ready for the word today? I'm I'm loving what God is doing, what he's talking about here in this, and we're talking about two things that uh, I believe people struggle with at one point or another more than anything else. That's who they are, deals with their identity, and why they are, which deals with their purpose. And this is what we're we're addressing, this is what we're focusing on this series, because I believe that a lot of times we can boil things down to these two points, our spiritual identity and our spiritual purpose. And uh, it's very important. So we, we talk about this, and, and God was speaking to me about this over vacation, and, and we were talking about, you know, vision and direction, and he was just realigning me and kind of taking me through this process of reminding me who I am and reminding me why I am. And so he said, listen, Chad, I want you to remember this is what I've asked you to do. And so we talked about the vision of the church. And, you know, we talk about discovering Jesus' freedom, purpose, and fulfillment. But he wanted me to boil it down to brass tacks. If you would, someone would come up to you and say, hey, what are, what are you about down there at Crossroads? What are, what are you guys about? What are you trying to do? It's two words you can give them. You can give them who and why. What are you guys about? We're about who and why. What do you mean, who and why? We're all about helping you find out who you are in Christ and why you were born. We want you to know your who, your who you are. We want to know your your identity, and we want you to know your purpose. So we we have it here on our our uh, logo here. You see, it's about our, the cross because that's where everything starts. Everything started with the cross. If it wasn't for the cross, none of us would have any hope for tomorrow. But because what Jesus did on the cross, we can know who we are vertically. I'm only going to get my identity through my relationship with God. Who I am is a vertical relationship. People can only confirm or agree with horizontally, but they cannot give me my identity. That's only going to be found in Jesus. Also, freedom is found in him, in Christ. Our why, why we are here, our purpose and fulfillment is found in our horizontal relationship. He's got us on this earth to do something. And let me just remind you what God has you on the, on the earth to do. It does involve helping people. Your purpose is not promoting you. Your purpose is helping people. That's why you're here. So your giftings, your talents is not to help you climb the corporate ladder. Your gifts and your talents are to help people around you in some form or fashion. And so that's what we want to encourage people to find. And, and so is it important, you know, is it important for us to find our spiritual identity? And when I say spiritual identity, it's not like a secret identity. It's not like Clark Kent and Superman. You know, as I was thinking about that, there are some correlations there because which one was his true identity? 
Was it Clark Kent or was it Superman? To humans, Clark Kent was something familiar and something comfortable, something they could deal with. Superman was something extraordinary, but Superman was his real identity. And I believe God was challenging me. He said, listen, the enemy wants you to act like Clark Kent is your real identity, but I want you to understand that Superman is your real identity. Because he wants you to operate and experience your full potential, not watering yourself down so everyone else is comfortable with you. You're a whole lot more like Superman than you are Clark Kent. We just got to take our glasses off and take our shirt off. Well, yeah, careful. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. We're not super in ourselves. We're super in him. So we're just excited about what God wants to show us through this and knowing what our identity is. And because and, when we don't know, when we don't know what our identity is, I, I feel like it's important for us to remember that we can get overpowered and controlled by things. Overpowered and controlled by thoughts of inadequacy, overpowered and controlled by thoughts of worry and stress and anxiety, and overpowered and controlled by thoughts of discouragement and depression, overpowered and controlled by all kinds of thoughts that are, that are holding us captive, addictions and, and things that are just controlling us. When we don't know who we are, these things can overpower us. So you're saying, well, if I know who I am, I won't have any problems. No, no, no. Knowing who you are doesn't mean you won't have to fight. Just knowing who you are tells you you have a right to fight, and it tells you who you're you're fighting with and who's fighting for you. All those things are important. It doesn't mean we're not going to have problems in life. It just means that when problems come, we're ready to address them. Nobody had to teach me that I was going to have trials in life. But I absolutely had to be taught about my authority and my identity in Christ. I know I got trials. Our our message is not that you're not going to have any trials. If you're spiritual and know who you are, you won't have any problems. (laughs) Spend a day with me and you'll know I got plenty of trials. Nobody had to teach me about trials. They had to teach me who I am. Teach me about my identity. Teach me what Jesus died to give me. That's what it's about. So you got your Bibles. We're going to see about this. Go over there to Acts chapter 19. I'm just going to read through this story and highlight a couple of things because we talked about it in, in detail last week, but I want to address a couple of things that we didn't bring out and then go on to the point I want to focus on today because we want you to know who you are. And in verse 11, the story starts and says, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and Aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know and Paul, I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. I want us to look at what's happening in this scenario to give you the details of the situation. This is an exorcism taking place. I'm not talking about movie and Hollywood hyped up stuff. This is where a demonically oppressed individual is trying to get freedom. 
And these people came, and the Bible says that we are to cast out demons. I want you to know that demons are real and that Jesus gave you real power over them. You're not to be afraid or intimidated by demons. They've already been defeated. They're just hoping you don't know it. <laughs> the power in demonic, uh, demonic activity is they're counting on my ignorance. My ignorance gives them authority. But once I know what Jesus died to give me, their power is thwarted and they have to go. Truth sets us free. So this is what's happening. This person needs to get delivered from demonic activity. And so these Sons of Sceva come, and they come to cast out this demon. It's what's happening. And, and so they, they come up to him, and they use the words that they'd heard Paul use, and they say, we, we command you by the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. They were, they were using the words that they'd heard Paul use, but they didn't know the revelation that gave power to the words. Paul's words, you know, the Bible talks about the word words. So the word words is two different Meanings. One is logos, and the word logos just means information. The other one is rhema, which means alive or something you know. So if you write this in your notes there, it's important for us to realize that information must become revelation before it will be alive in us and through us to help other people. I can give you information as long as it's just dry information, there's no power in it. But once you know it for yourself, it comes alive in you and now it can come out through you and give power to somebody else. Here's what happens with them. They were just giving information. We, uh, uh, let's see, what does the manual say? It says here that Paul said, because uh, uh, Tim wrote it down on his hand when he heard Paul doing this, and, and Paul said, come out in Jesus' name. That's what he said. So we come to this thing, we say, come out in I sweat a little bit, so I can't read it exactly. Come out in Jesus' name. That's right. That's what he said. That's information. That's information. This Bible can either be information or revelation. If it's just information, you'll read it and go, that's nice. But when it's revelation, it will change your life. You will read it. The Bible says in Hebrews that this word is alive and powerful. Well, how come it's alive and powerful to some and dead to others? Because the Holy Spirit has to quicken on the inside of it and you have to know it for yourself. That's what has to happen. So this is what's taking place here and how we have to know who we are and we have to know the truths of God's words because we can want freedom and we can even have a right to experience freedom. But if we don't know for ourselves what Jesus died to give us, then we're not going to experience everything that's been made available to us. Let me say that again. If we don't know what Jesus died to provide for us, we will never experience everything that is available to us. Are you tracking yet? Everything that Jesus died to provide for you, we must know it for ourselves before it will be available to us. All right, so we want to experience that in our life, and that's what Jesus gives. Because this, we've seen this in our life, we see it in different areas. Let me give you an example. And I just want to say this about what's happening in our society right now. We need to make sure and openly come out and condemn all forms of racism. What's happening in our country right now is demonic. White marches are demonic. White supremacist marches. It is not of God. Do not attach the name of God to anything that is racist. 
It is not what's happening. God is not the author of division. So you see this sometimes. The enemy will hold us in captivity because of ignorance. Let me give you an example of this. You remember, uh, well, you won't remember. Remember stories, history about it. Emancipation Proclamation. Do you know that the Emancipation Proclamation was signed liberating everyone from slavery? Legally, everyone was free of slavery. But there were still thousands of slaves in the South who didn't know that it had been approved. We didn't have social media. Abe Lincoln didn't tweet out, you're all free. They didn't know. So what happened, some of their slave owners just didn't tell them. They didn't tell them they were free, so they kept on being slaves even though legally they were free until somebody had to come along and let them know they had a right to freedom before they could experience it. The same way in your and my life, the enemy will hold us captive and try and prevent us from knowing what Jesus died to set us free from. And all it takes is someone realizing, wait a minute, (laughs) I've been set free from that. You don't have any legal right to hold me slavery anymore. And right at that moment, you can enforce your freedom. That's what we need to know since this is what's happening here in the scripture. He said they're held captive by something just because they don't know. So they, they demand freedom, but just because you demand freedom, don't expect the devil not to resist. Anybody ever wanted free from an area of your life and you ran into hiccups along the way? You wanted to break that addiction, but it didn't come away the first time you said, get off of me in Jesus' name. You wanted to break that pornography habit, but the first time you said, I'll never look at it again, you found yourself looking again. The first time you wanted to stop cussing, the first time you wanted to break an addiction, the first time you wanted to uh, stop throwing your temper tantrum, whatever it may be, the first time you said it, it doesn't mean there wasn't resistance to your declaration of freedom. I am not going to be afraid anymore. I am no longer a slave to fear. Guess what? That fear is going to come knocking on your door again. I'm not going to worry about this anymore. Guess what? Worried thoughts are going to bombard your mind. First time he said, look what the devil said, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who are you? Jesus, I know. We said this means I know him personally. Paul, I know, means I'm acquainted with him. I've heard about him. I'm getting to know him. Paul had developed a reputation. Paul, you saw in verse 12 that demons were being cast out through Paul's ministry. So this evil spirit said, Jesus, I know him very well. We all know. Every demon in hell knows Jesus. There is no problem. No, we know Jesus. And I'm getting to hear a lot about this Paul character. But I don't know you. I don't know you. Here's what I want you to know about who you are. This is vitally important in walking in everything that Jesus died to give us. Paul was a human being. Jesus being the son of God, every demon knowing him was nothing special. But when they knew Paul as a human being, but the sons of Sceva were human beings and they did not know them. How is it they knew Paul and they did not know the sons of Sceva? Here's what you've got to understand. Demons will recognize the identity of those who oppose their agenda. They will recognize the identity of those who are a threat to their agenda. If you don't bump into demonic resistance every once in a while, you need to be careful and ask yourself, am I walking the same direction? They will recognize the identity of those who oppose their agenda. If I'm just trying to cruise through life, no, I don't want to ruffle any feathers, don't want to cause any waves. Don't want the devil to know about me. I just want to cruise. I don't want any more problems. We got to know who we are. 
Don't be afraid of someone who's already defeated. So he said, we've got to know his agenda. We've got to know what's happening. Now listen, it's not about chasing demons and being a devil chaser. It's not about being demon-minded. When we aggressively support, when our agenda is God's agenda, we become a direct threat to the enemy's agenda. All we have to do is promote God's agenda and we will be a threat to their agenda. What's God's agenda, you say? That's a great question. John 10, 10 tells us, Jesus said this way, the thief comes what? To steal, kill, and destroy. That's his agenda. When there's thievery going on, when there's killing going on, there's destruction going on, there's the agenda of the enemy. Jesus said, here's my agenda. I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to partner with God to bring life into situations everywhere we go. Here's the other agenda. Jesus said in uh, 1 John, uh, it's said about Jesus in 1 John, I think it's 3, 8, says, for this reason, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's his agenda. Well, guess what? Jesus destroyed the works of the agenda. Now your and my agenda has to be enforced what Jesus already purchased. That's our agenda is to enforce whatever he did, what, what he already did. So this is what's happening here. They said, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who are you? I want you to know that the enemy hopes that you don't ever figure out who you are. He hopes you don't figure it out. Put this in your blanks there. The enemy steals authority in areas of our life where identity is unknown or not enforced. The enemy steals authority in the areas of our life where our identity is unknown or not enforced. The enemy doesn't have any authority on his own. He just wants to use ours when it is vacated. That's what he wants to do. You guys ever heard about squatter's rights? It's not very popular nowadays, but there was time in history where squatter's rights was very important that if, if property or land was vacated, people would actually move in and just start building something and squat on it, and they would say it's their property because nobody else was there. Nobody else was there, so I'm just going to take possession of it. Nobody else was using it, so I'm going to use it. And they would say, you know, we got this saying, possession is nine-tenths of the law. That's people saying, hey, this has been vacated, so I'm going to come in and I'm going to take possession of it. You remember the story of the parable about the the person that was uh, dealing with demonic oppression and demon was cast out, went into the dry places and came back and found it empty, swept and clean and moved back in and the latter state of that person was worse than the first? Squatters rights is where if we don't use our authority, the enemy will come in and say, if Chad's not going to use it, I'll take it. He does not have legitimate authority. We've got to cast him out. So we don't want to give the enemy squatters rights. So let's look at how we know who we are. Here's what I put together. I believe there's four identity tests. We're only going to do one today, so relax. I was going to do all four of them today. That's why they're on the notes. But then I was preparing this and going through it. And and I just want you to grasp these. And I want you to get them very clearly. So I I want to take my time and go through it. Because I don't want to overwhelm you with a bunch of information. I want you to get revelation. I want it to deposit in your heart. So there's four identity tests I believe we all need to pass in order for us to know who we are in Christ. The first one, if you'll go over to the book of Matthew, turn to Matthew chapter 3. The first one is lordship. Lordship. This identity test is about submission. You can write that in your blank there if you're taking notes. It's about submission. And this is the one we're going to focus on today. 
Knowing who you are, this is the first test we need to pass. And knowing who we are, we need to pass the lordship test. This is the Tony Danza, who's the boss test. Come on, somebody. You don't know about who's the boss. (laughs) Who's the boss? If we don't pass this test, we will never really know who we are in Christ. As long as we are running the show, we will not know who we are. We have to pass the lordship test. It's about submission. Am I willing to submit? Here's what I'm talking about. It's very easy for people. If you ask anybody, you say, hey, do you want to go to heaven? Everybody wants to go to heaven. Everybody wants to make Jesus their savior. Save me, please give me a ticket to go to heaven. But then when we have to ask him to be the Lord of our life, when you say the Lord, are you talking about about 90 minutes on Sunday? I can do that. No, Lord of your life, 24-7, 365, every area. I kind of like to do my own thing. There's a big difference in Jesus being Savior and him being Lord. If we're going to know who we are, we got to make him Lord. we got to pass the submission test. Look what happens here in Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to look, just start reading in verse 16. It's about Jesus goes to John the Baptist. He said, John, you've, you've got to baptize me. You know, John pushed back a little bit and said, dude, you need to be baptizing me. No, you, no me, no you, no you, no me. Back and forth. It was a little annoying. But finally, Jesus convinced him to baptize. Look at verse 16. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was water baptized. The power of the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And then the voice of the father affirms his identity. This is Jesus hearing from the father. This is my beloved son. Hyphenate that word with me. This is my beloved son. He's telling him, son, beloved. I love you, boy. I'm proud of you. This is a declaration from the Father affirming his identity to all who would listen. You are my son. I'm proud of you. Beloved son. We need to hear that from the Father. Do you realize some people struggle with who they are because they don't believe that that's how God feels about them? I run into people, I run into situations in my own life when God has to remind me, Chad, you're my beloved son, and I'm pleased with you. It sounds like you want to reject that. Say, oh, no, God, no. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be loved. I'm just a worthless sinner. If my kid, if I tell my my kids every day, whether it's son or daughters, and I say, it's, I really love you. And they would go, no, dad. I'm not worthy to be loved. I know, but I love you. No, I'm not. 
You know, after a while, that would start to get a little discouraging. I want them to receive my love because I want them to know who they are. I want them to know their identity. And this is what Jesus had to do. He had to receive his love. You and I, we have to receive this fact. You need to go no further before you get this in your heart. Once you are born again, you've got to receive sonship and daughtership. But even before you get saved, you need to understand this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. It's not cheesy. He loves me. He loves me. He's crazy about me. On my darkest days and the days I feel most discouraged, I got to remember he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. I want you to tell yourself that Jesus loves me, my father in heaven. Maybe your earthly father didn't affirm you as much. Maybe your earthly father didn't give you the love that you needed. But I want you to know your heavenly father is screaming to you to let you know who you are today. He loves you. He loves you, man. He loves you. And only from that place of affirmation can you know who you are. Look what happened. Notice in the story, then it goes right into chapter four. There were no chapters back then. They were just writing. So he says, and he said, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Then verse chapter four goes right into Jesus was led up by the spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Notice something that God didn't wait to see how he did through the temptation to tell him he loved him. He was pleased with him. He didn't save it for the end of chapter four to see if Jesus successfully made it through the temptation. He told him up front You're my beloved son and I'm well pleased with you. Why did he do that? Because this is the foundation of how Jesus needed to address his confrontation with the enemy. I'm going to address it from the foundation that I am loved and accepted by my father. He said, I want you to address the enemy from a place of affirmation, not for a place of affirmation. I'm not trying to overcome the enemy so the Lord will be proud of me. I'm going to overcome the enemy because the Lord is proud of me. I'm not waiting for him to, if I get through this struggle in my life, if I can just get through this trial, if I can just get past this hump, then the Lord will really be pleased with me. No, no, no. Right now, he's pleased with you. People say, well, see, because legalism wants to bring it back to us earning the love of God. We can't be pleased with me because I'm not doing right. Big difference in him being pleased with what you're doing and being pleased with you. If I boil it down to always what I do brings his pleasure to me, then I'm earning the affections of a father who's unconditionally said I love you. Now, he's not going to be pleased with what I'm doing because he knows what I'm doing is not going to bring success into my life, but he will never change his love for me. Never change it. Never change it. He's always saying there, you are my beloved son. Now, come on. Come on. Walk away from that. Walk away from that. So now this is his purpose. This is what he's working for. And so look what the enemy does. God just said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So he comes into contact with the enemy. Here's the, t- here's the lordship test. When he had fasted 40 days, we lost the rest of the congregation right there. <laughs> fasted, 
fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward he was hungry, no kidding. We could talk about fasting for 40 hours. We could talk about fasting. Let's just move on, okay? Verse three. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, notice God's not the tempter. The tempter came to him. He said, if you are the son of God, if, 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 my dad, he just told me that I was his beloved son who I'm well pleased. If you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Here's the first test, the first lordship test underneath this, and it is, will you provide for yourself? Will you provide for yourself? If we're going to pass the lordship test, we got to pass this first one. Number one, will we choose to provide for ourselves? If I'm lacking in any area of my life, when push comes to shove, will I try and make it happen for myself or will I trust God to be my provider? Will you provide for yourself? Will you take things into your own hands? And will you, will you go to yourself? But listen, when we choose to depend on ourselves, remember the trick of the enemy is, is he knows that we're limited to our resources. So if he can get me to believe that, Chad, you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and, and you provide for your family, you're the provider. I get it. I need to go to work and I need to be diligent and I need to do all of that. But I want my family to know I am not Jehovah Jireh. My father is Jehovah Jireh, and I will submit to his provision and believe in his provision. If I'm going to be submitted to him and find out who I am, I have to yield all rights of provision over to him. You say, what does that mean about submission? Because when God tells you to walk away from a paycheck or walk into a different thing or say no to this and it's a financial and he's my provider. Oh, I know we're going to get real up in here, but we got to pass this first test. If I'm going to know who I am in him, I got to know who's running the show, who's the boss. See, it's easy to say God's the boss in other areas of our life, but is he the boss of my checkbook? Is he a boss of my bank account? Is he a boss of my decisions over employment? Amen's shut down a little bit right up in here, but I ain't scared. Provide for yourself. Will we pass this test? We can't provide for ourselves because we don't want to be limited to our resources. And my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When I pass this test, I may have to say, I can't do it. It's beyond my ability. But God says, thank you. Thank you. I wanted you to say you can't do it because now I got my resources and I can provide for it. We gotta pass this test. We want him to provide in every area of my life. Jesus was recognizing to the devil. Notice something he didn't say. I just wanna insert this. He said, if you are the son of God. Notice Jesus didn't say anything back about whether he was the son of God or not. Look at his response. And he, replied, he answered back, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He never addressed the question if he was the son of God. Why? Because he already knew he was the son of God. He already knew he was the son of God. So he answered the question. He said, listen, devil, yeah, I can make that stone turn into bread, and this, this bread will fill my stomach right now, but after a while, I'm going to need something else. That's why I don't depend on myself for my provision. I depend on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm not looking for temporary fixes up in here. I'm depending on my father because I know there is no need in my life that he won't provide for 
Sure, I can eat some bread, but by supper time, I'm going to be hungry again. You ain't eat for 40 days. A little piece of bread's not going to satisfy you. Bread just devolves, dissolves into sugar. You need bread, you need some meat, something up in there. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so look, look at the second one. Look at the second test. So then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt or test the Lord your God. Here's the second test we got to pass to protect yourself. You don't try and provide yourself. You don't try and protect yourself. Here's what this means. I'm not going to jump into situations and then ask God to take care of it for me. You don't test God by just saying, here, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to make this decision without asking God, without trusting him, with not seeing if it's okay. I'm just going to jump in it. I'm going to expect him to bail me out. I'm not going to use, see what the devil did. He used scripture to try and manipulate God. Has anybody ever tried to do that to you? Use scripture to try and manipulate the situation, to try and justify, to try and pull out Bible verses to say it's why it's okay they're doing what they're doing. Take them out of context, use them in their favor. This is saying, listen, you got to get rid of that. If you're going to pass the Lordship test, you got to not try and protect yourself. This is about making sure you're trusting God and, and letting him be the Lord over every area of your life. Psalms 91, 2 says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust. Is he the Lord? It's like me using scripture to try and justify me still being the Lord of my life. I don't want to do that. I got to pass that. Let me give you some examples. Maybe it's like uh, me saying, by his stripes I'm healed, but he's not the Lord over my diet and exercise plan. I knew I was going to hit some rocks this morning, but it's okay. If we're going to pass the Lordship test, we got to address who's sitting in the driver's seat. And when you start talking about getting ourselves out of the driver's seat, we get nervous because we like to control. I want to control my life and my decisions. And if I'm in control, then I feel safe. So I'm saying my life is safer if I'm in control more than if God's in control. How crazy is that? But that's what we think. If I'm in control, see, because what we're afraid of, we try to control. I'm just going to control this? No. Here's what I'm, 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 I got to know. I got to know. I got to know. Why? Because I got to be in control. Because when I'm not in control, I get afraid. And when I get afraid... I get uncertain about what's going to happen, so I need to know. And God is challenging your and mine control this morning. You want to know who you are? Number one, you got to pass the Lordship test. Uh, can we go to the next test, please? <laughs> no, because if you don't pass this one, you won't be able to pass the rest of them. This is more important. So let's look at the third one, the third, third part of this. Again, the devil took him up on an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then he said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Here's the last part of the Lordship test. Number three, will you promote yourself? Number one, will you provide for yourself? Number two, will you protect yourself? Number three, will you promote yourself? The enemy offered him all the kingdoms of the earth if you'll just bow down and worship me. This is the same thing that God promised Jesus, all the kingdoms of the earth. Satan just offered him a shortcut. He said, I'll give you all of these things 
If you'll just take the shortcut. And here's what I'm, I'm encouraging you to pass the Lordship test. Don't take the shortcut. Don't take the counterfeit. If you're listening to this this morning, you say, Chad, I'm trying to serve God, but man, his price tag is way too high. I just, it's too hard. Well, if you think that the enemy's price is way cheaper, keep in mind, so is his reward. Because Jesus could have taken the shortcut and said, okay, all these kingdoms of the world and I don't have to die on the cross, I'm in. But what did Jesus say? If you're going to be my disciples, let each one take up his, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You want to know who you are? We got to pass the submission test. And number three, we got to not promote ourselves. Here's what it's saying. I'm not going to take the shortcut. Are you getting tired of waiting on God? So you're trying to just make something happen yourself? I'm going to go to Medlin right here. I'm tired of waiting on that godly person. So I'm going to take the next best thing. I'm tired of waiting on God's best for this situation. I got to do something. So we, we jump in and we promote ourselves. I'm tired of waiting on God to do something. So I, I got to make something happen. No, you better be careful. Don't promote yourself. Don't promote yourself. This is what happened. Don't take the shortcut. Don't take the counterfeit. Don't take the counterfeit offer of the enemy because I, I want people to know who they are this morning. But we got to pass the Lordship test. I'm going to close with this story. And I, this story is going to be about nobody else but me. I was on vacation. God was speaking to me about who I am. And he was talking to me about places where I'd forgotten who I was. It wasn't a broad brushstroke. It's not like I didn't know who I was in, in every area of my life. But he was just speaking to me about some areas of knowing, forgetting who I was. And so that was affecting why I was. So I was, I was being overpowered. Come on, I want to help you just a moment. If you'll listen to me. That when I, in those areas that I didn't know who I was, I'd forgotten who I was, the enemy was coming in and overpowering me and controlling my thoughts in those areas. So I was getting overwhelmed with things that I thought were outside of my control. I was getting overwhelmed by the thoughts of multi-site. My campuses, many, oh, more campuses, about building a new building out here, uh, overwhelmed with issues and people and problems, things being said about me to me. I was being overwhelmed with all of it. And I came back from, from the gym on vacation, went back to the, the condo, and, and God was speaking to me that I had to address my family. And I, I called a meeting, called a family meeting. Hope wasn't there. She was off to college. But everybody else, I called them together, Lucas included. And I had them come around me. I said, listen, I, I got to apologize. I got to apologize. I'm sorry to each and every one of you. I've been taking out my frustrations on my family and I forgot who I was. And I'm sorry for not being the father, not being the husband that God's called me to be. I'm sorry. I just began to cry and cry so much so Lucas was like, what is going on? I was like, what's up with dad? He's asking Dawn, why is dad crying? I'm just, you know, not one of those, you know, little tears trickling down. I'm like snot coming out. I'm like, everything's just bawling. And I looked at my wife and I said, I can't do it. I can't. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I can't do it. It's too big. It's too big. Maybe God's got the wrong guy. 
forgotten. So we go to church Sunday, guest speaker. He's speaking and he's talking about, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, comes down. I'm sitting right here and he comes down to me and he, he says, and you, you need to stop saying I can't and start saying I can. Don't think that didn't get my attention. So what do I do? Start crying again. So he's talking about David and Goliath's story and how he killed the lion and the bear. He comes down again. He comes over and he says, and you, you killed your lion and you killed your bear. Don't even flinch at your giant. (laughs) Why do I tell you that? Because there's more than me that struggle with who they are. There's more than me that are trying to break through in an area of their life and the devil says, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to get freedom? Who do you think you are to do all that God's put in your heart to you? Who do you think you? I tell you who I am, I'm a son of God. So I came, I came back and I came back and to a condo and I went out on the beach and I, I said, God, I remember who I am and I sign up today and I say, whatever you put in my heart to do, I'm gonna go for it. I know it's going to be bigger than me. I know I can't do it on my own, but I know who I am and I know who's with me. So I'm here to speak to somebody who's, the devil's been talking to your ear, asking you, who do you think you are? And you need to remember, you are a son. You're a daughter of the Most High God. You're no longer a slave to fear because I am a child of God. You're not going to do it on your own. You're not going to do it in your own strength. You're going to do all things through Christ who gives you strength. For those of you who are there to saying I can't, I can't, I can't. Stop saying I can't and start saying I can. I can't come through this marital challenge. I can't overcome this with my kids. I can't overcome this child problem. I can't overcome this job situation. I can do all things through Christ. I still don't know any more today than I knew on that day that I broke down on the specifics of how, but I know that I'm going to trust him with what I don't know. So if you would, I'm going to pray over you this morning. If you just bow your heads with me. I want to see God break chains off of your life. And right now it starts with the Lordship test. Will you make him the Lord of your life? Well, yes, Chad, I've already been born again. Or No, 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 I'm not talking about that. We'll deal with that in just a second. I'm talking about, is he the Lord? Are you still providing for yourself? Are you still protecting yourself? Are you still the one that's promoting yourself? Make him the Lord. Submit to him. I got to know who I am by passing the Lordship test. Maybe you're saying it, Chad, I can't do it. It's too big. It's too hard. The deck's stacked against me. I want you to know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Father, I pray for chains to be broken right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, yield yourself. Here's submission is surrender. 
Just stick your hands out in front of you and just surrender right now to God. Stick them out. I surrender my situation. Lord, I'm going to stop saying I can't and I'm going to start saying I can. I want you to know God believes in you this morning. He would never put the desire in your heart if you're not capable of doing it with him. Stop disqualifying yourself like Moses and start agreeing with him when he says, you are my beloved son or my beloved daughter. In you I am well pleased. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray right now through the power of the Holy Spirit that identity is found in you. That love is released. That people embrace who you created them to be. power of the presence of God let people know who they are today come on make him the Lord of your situation trust him trust him with the details when the enemy says if you are or who are you let me remind you that if there's any voice or thought that comes to you that contradicts the voice of the Father, you need to render it invalid and insignificant in your life. Any voice that contradicts the words of the Father over you, you need to render them invalid and insignificant. I will not listen to a lie that tells me something that contradicts what my Father says about me. As we stop believing lies, freedom comes into our life. 